state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back. Turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10. Stiff arms a man. Five dives. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. We're here to wrap up a week. Quite a week here on Sports Nightly. A lot happened in the sports world. A lot happened in the college sports world over the week with the return of Big Ten football. Found out college basketball is going to begin on November 25th. Volleyball January 22nd. So pretty eventful week. Got a big show lined up for you here tonight. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have this week's edition of the Husker Huddle. Jeremiah Searles will sit down with former great Grant Wistrom. Talking about a former Blackshirt who certainly had an amazing career at Nebraska and then went on to be a heck of a pro in the National Football League as well. That's coming up later on in the hour. We'll have our top 25 picks, see if we can uh, knock it out of the park. I don't think we can say we knocked it out of the park last week. They were fairly easy, and none of us picked the Raging Cajuns to beat the Cyclones. So let's see if somebody can identify a upset coming this week. We'll find out. Uh, in hour number two. Also, Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, will be here to talk about the upcoming week in the National Football League. Pretty entertaining game last night with the Browns beating the Bengals 35-30. to Ton of scoring in that game late. I mean, I, I kind of gave up on that one. It got to about 28-13 and woke up this morning, flipped her on, and saw, wow, 35-30. So a lot of, lot of action in that game late. But we'll get all the latest from Ian coming up in hour number two. We'll have our weekend preview, a week in review on our winners and losers for the week all headed your way in hour number three. And as always, phone lines are open and available for you at 531-500-4686. All right, let's start tonight. Tim had it in the uh, in the ticker. No schedule by the Big Ten today. So all that talk, <laughs> all that talk on Wednesday, we'll have it by the end of the week. Well, that's not going to be the case. Ronnie Green was talking in front of the, with the Lincoln mayor today at the Lancaster County Health Update, and he said to look for it early next week. So we're going to, that, that, I mean, that's just nobody's going to sleep, Ben, right? I mean, nobody's going to be able to get a restful night's sleep tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, because they're just going to be so uptight and anxious to hear the schedule. Kind of feel like we already know Nebraska's schedule, that we're just kind of, you know, just waiting for it to uh, to come down, so... So we can get it what's over with. So we can yeah, see. Yeah, what's the order going to be? We can see Ohio State and Penn State flash up for our uh, for our crossovers, and then uh, you know play the play the division opponents. But yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest thing is who who do we play first, and and I'm intrigued to see some of the crossovers of the other teams in the division. Yeah. Well, so you just have to hold your breath all weekend long. Now, um, yesterday we told you about Ohio State getting a couple of uh, young men who. Opted out early in the week to opt back in. Sean Wade uh, was one of them. Wyatt Davis, an, an offensive lineman, both e- expected to be first or high draft picks in the NFL next spring, announcing yesterday they were coming back. Well, today, Rashad Bateman, who got out in August, I mean, he, he's been out for quite a while, and signed with an agent. Well, he wants back. In fact, he's re-enrolled at the university, which – that in itself seems odd to me. I mean, this is what is today the eighteenth of September. How can you how can you get into a semester this late? But he's re-enrolled, 
and and now he's he's wanting the fact that he'd already signed with an agent to be wiped away to play. I, and I hey, I get it's been a really odd year. But I also those two things combined, the fact that he's getting into school at, at least four weeks into the semester and that he'd already signed with an agent. I, I, I don't know, Ben. I mean, I, I'm all about giving guys chances and that kind of stuff. But th- this one a, seems a little, a little much to me. My guess is he probably is going to get cleared and will play for the Gophers. But, man, uh, it seems a little on the odd side here. Yeah, this one does because he had already the, – the big detail here is he had already opted out before the Big Ten had punted on their season. So that's, that, that's the big one to me is it's not like he waited until, you know, that decision came down to opt out like some of these Ohio State guys and said, look, we just, you know, there, there's no season, so we're just going to enter our name in the NFL draft. Bateman's case is a little bit different because this all happened prior. And, and granted, we didn't – things weren't trending in the right direction, which is why I think he's going to get his waiver. Uh, but this is a little different scenario than, than perhaps some others. But I, I'm guessing they just cast a blanket over them all and say, sure, You're good. go ahead and yeah. play. Yeah, and, 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 you know, probably that's the right thing to do because we are in the middle of a pandemic. But you bring up a great point. I mean, he, he made the decision before the Big Ten says we're out. He did it before August the 11th. That ought to count for a little bit of something, but we'll, we'll see. Rondale Moore, it's not quite as clear. I, I don't know what I think on the outstanding Purdue player. He, he apparently has not yet chosen an agent, so he hasn't. And when – Everybody may be going, well, what's the big deal about choosing an agent? Well, when you sign with an agent, they give you a signing bonus to sign with them. They give you cash, basically, so you can go and buy a car, buy some nice clothes, that type of thing. So that's where the Bateman thing gets a little cloudy. But with Rondale, he hasn't done that yet. He's not been on campus. What, what Do you have a feel? For whether Rondale comes back to Purdue, I, I bet he. My guess is he might. Well, I know Coach Coach Brown's giving it his best recruiting pitch. I mean, I, <laughs> he's your best player, so I yeah. I think he's probably trying to sell it without being pushy. You know, as a coach, you always want to support your athletes and and what they want to do with their future plans, especially if it involves you know the next level. So, you know, my inkling is that he 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 may come back. I just think Greg those teams that had really good years last year Purdue isn't one of them but do you think about Ohio State and even Minnesota there's more of a of an itch to come back especially if you're Ohio State because you know the way that last year ended especially if you're Sean Wade because you're the one that threw the hit um, that that changed the entire game you you probably have an itch to go back and win a national championship Uh, for Minnesota I guess their next step would be to win the division but you know, for a team like Purdue, who really didn't have a very good year at all, there's just – I don't know that there's a ton of incentive to come back, especially if you're Rondale Moore, who's already proven – you've already proven what you can do at this level. Um, you know, and, and with an, you know, do you really want to r- risk another injury to where you can't test at the combine and all that? I, he's one that I could see staying with, withdrawn and, and keep his name out until, until the draft. That would be a huge blow for the Boilermakers. As you said, he's their best player and is a defensive coordinator. If he's not there, I mean, the, the bell kid's really good, the other wide receiver. The combination of the two would be pretty lethal for the Boilermakers and that offense of Jeff Brom. So that's I'm sure they're holding their breath around West Lafayette to get 
Rondale to come back for one more year. So th- th- this will be a story kind of within a story to follow in the coming weeks about what all happens here. It does look like the teams are not going to be allowed to pad up until September the 30th. Uh, everybody is supposed to have the rapid testing on campus and ready by the Monday the 28th. That would be two days of that before you let them go and get full pads. I was told that Nebraska's rapid testing uh, machine that they purchased a week or so ago is arriving, might have arrived today. I, was, I talked earlier this morning about somebody that thought maybe it was coming today. So they're going to be up and ready to roll earlier than that. But the league isn't going to let you have a jump on teams. They're going to make sure everybody holds off until a certain day to pad, put, put pads on for the first time. And it looks like that's going to be September the 30th. The Pac-12, uh, their presidents and chancellors meeting today. Uh, I don't know that there's been an official vote. I don't know that there will be today, but they're looking at an early November start, maybe the 7th, so they would be two weeks after the Big 12 start. They think they can get seven games in so they can at least play their divisional games and go for there. Um, So we may have all five Power 5 teams, all all Power 5 conferences up and running by November the 7th. just seems so wacky and so crazy. And how about the news this afternoon? A day before, less than 24 hours before kickoff, Baylor loses another game. Last week they were supposed to play Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech was dealing with that hurricane that came roaring up in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago, so they had to house some people up differently. That kind of lost their little bubble. They had some outbreaks of positive tests, so they bailed on Baylor. So Baylor didn't play last week when they were supposed to. They quickly went out and found Houston to play tomorrow. In fact, that was the big Fox 11 a.m. kickoff for tomorrow with Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. And today, Baylor informs Houston, well, we have – an outbreak, a situation within a certain position group. It's believed to be the offensive line. We can't play. Houston's equipment truck had already made its way to uh, the stadium, McLean Stadium in Waco. It was already sitting outside park, ready to get the locker room ready to go. And Ben, in less 24 hours before kickoff, game's called. Man, I mean, this is just the times that we're living in right now, I suppose. And we're just going to have to be, uh, you know, as Ronnie Green says, fluid, you're going to have to be on your toes because things can change, especially, you know, in some leagues that aren't capable of, of providing test results in a rapid manner. Sometimes it's going to be this late in the week before they find out, you know, if they've got players that are um, testing positive. So unfortunately for Baylor, it's kind of snake bit them right now because this is a couple of times it's just followed them. But, you know, that's <laughs> – you know, the time that we live in, and, and this is going to be the only time that's happened. There's, it's going to happen in the, over the over the course of the year, and it's it's going to kind of be luck of the draw a little bit on on whether you get to play or not. You know, I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, and they believe with the rapid testing that the Big Ten is going to do, they're going to be able to avert these type of things. I hope so. I hope that's true. I hope that's right. And they said that these this rapid testing is going to – catch these things before it really gets into an outbreak situation before it gets passed off and if they do it every day which they're planning on doing that that they can catch this kind of nip it in the bud type thing 
where then they can separate you out before you infect teammates and other people around you. So uh, they said that's why this rapid testing was such a game changer that it allows you to do that. And had Baylor had that fully implemented, that they might have been able to avoid having to call a game off 22 hours before kickoff tomorrow. So scratch that one off your game card for tomorrow. Ben, take it off the weekend preview. Mm. It ain't happening in Waco, Texas tomorrow. And my gosh, I hope they're right about this rapid testing being, being able to avoid something like that for all of us here in about a month. Yeah, I mean, I, I just when we were saying Baylor was snake bit, I, I just really hope you know Nebraska is one of the lucky ones and yeah. you know we're one of the ones that stay clean and not just us the, the Nebraska is only 50% of this equation every week the teams that you play have to stay clean too so i mean it's going to affect the big 10 to what degree none of us know but you know like we said earlier in the week when the decision was passed down at least we were given the opportunity uh and and you know we will see a schedule we think soon that that kind of makes it more real and and we're given an opportunity to play but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining this is going to leak over to the Big Ten at some point. No doubt. All right, uh, those are some of the things we're dealing with tonight. If you're headed to a high school football game, have fun tonight. It should be a gorgeous night to go watch some high school football games. And there have been some games in the state that have been canceled because of COVID-positive tests. So feel bad for some of those teams that are not going to be in action tonight. But for those of you that are, have fun. Enjoy high school football tonight on a beautiful September Friday night, the last Friday night of summer. Because we turn the calendar to fall, I think it's early next week, Monday or Tuesday, we go officially into fall. Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle here on the Husker Sports Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah Searles. Today we are just lucky to be graced with one of the greatest all-time Huskers, in my opinion. Um, Three-time national champion winner, two-time All-American. I mean, two-time Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl champion, and the Big 12 All-Decade team, Grant Winstrom. Grant, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Jeremiah. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I wanted to get your take on this. You being a leader when you were here, especially, I mean, really your whole career, what would you be saying as an older guy? Because there's going to be guys, I mean, you and I both know it, that aren't ready to go when football shows up because they haven't been having the babysitter, right? Duvall can't be there pushing these guys and growing these guys. It's really up to the seniors. It's really up to the leader of the team to make sure the younger guys are going. If you were one of the seniors, what would your message to the team be to just kind of keep them going and keep everyone on the right track? It'd be the same message that Jason and I had and the seniors had when we were there. I mean, we had guys that weren't really toeing the line, weren't really upholding the standards that we had set. And so, you know, luckily in that at that time, we still had access to the guys. The guys were still around. If they weren't showing up to workouts, we would go knock on their door and drag them out of their beds, and they would show up for the workouts. So it's a little bit different, but it's still like, guys, you know, think about all the effort you've put in to get to this point. And yeah, it sucks. And yeah, we're in a crappy position right now, but don't come in ill prepared. When the, when the bell rings, you've got to answer and you've got to be ready to answer. So if you've got to go home right now and we can't be on campus training together, you better be doing everything you can possibly do to be ready when the, when the call does come, because you never know what's going to come. And to not do that at this point, after the years of effort and work and sacrifice that you put in, you're just selling yourself short, man. I completely agree. I think that that's one thing that people don't understand is how much 
the seniors mean to the program. And I mean, these seniors have been through a lot here um, with Frost this year. I mean, you guys as a senior class are so strong. You got so many, so many big personalities and big time players. And so I'm, I'm hoping that you can watch some of these guys and see some of these guys continue to grow. I think of guys like Matt Farniak, Brandon Hymas, that have been through a lot on the offensive side of the ball. I know we lose a lot of defensive side, but I think the senior leadership is going to be really important for this team. Grant, when you, when you came to Nebraska, you came from Missouri. And I'm sure you, on your visit, you fell in love with Nebraska. But one thing I wanted to ask you is, what was the thing that you actually truly fell in love with Nebraska once you got here? Because I know once I got here, there were certain things that I didn't get to experience on my visit that made me want to call this place my home. But I'm sure you had those moments of once you got on campus, once you got here, that you were just like, man, this is why I truly love this place. Yeah. Um what got me to Nebraska were the guys that were already there. Um, you know, I had a, a, a lot of good quality programs recruiting me, but I was a Husker. I mean, when I went there, I fit in right away. Um, but what made me fall in love with Nebraska is the fans. It is the people of Nebraska. Uh, truly the most passionate fan base in the country, no doubt about it. Uh, and, uh, Man, they just live and breathe and die and love Nebraska football. And if if you're a good person and you play hard and you just do good in the community, you can write your own ticket in Nebraska because they, they care about good people. And if you're a good person and you play hard, you, you will be taken care of there. And uh, and, and it's, it's an amazing environment. It is huge. And I especially love, I, I was reading on Twitter last night, that we've got other football programs, fans, complimenting our fans saying like you know if the big Ten has a football season this year a huge part of it is going to be because of nebraska and nebraska fans and uh you know and i think we're getting you know our product on the field hasn't been amazing in the big Ten, but that's going to change i truly believe that but i think our reputation of fans and people that love and support college football and just college sports in general in nebraska is spreading throughout the big Ten. so uh, I really believe if the Big Ten gets to have a season this year, the Nebraska fans are a large part of it. Grant, I got to ask when we, so I was actually on the team and we made the switch from the Big 12 to the Big 10. And it was, I mean, it was a lot. People were either for it or for against it. Rewind back to 2011, whenever that was. What was your initial thought on Nebraska leaving the Big 12 and joining the Big 10? Um, you know, it, it was a mixed bag for me. Uh, I thought it was a great move for the university. Um, I don't really like, I didn't at the time, you know, hindsight's always 2020, didn't at the time like the direction that the Big 12 was moving as far as like, I just kind of felt like when Texas came in, they were just kind of handed the keys to the kingdom mm. and whatever they wanted to do with it. So I, we didn't really appreciate that. I thought, you know, the future might've been with the Big 10. Um, so I was excited for the university. For myself, I was having a little pity party because I only played in the Big 12. When Nebraska goes to the Big 10, nobody's going to ever remember what I did. Uh, but I got over that pretty quick. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great football games in the Big 10. And, you know, it, and we will be one of the great teams soon in the Big 10. Uh, but, you know, you look back on the traditions of the Big 12 and things like that and the opportunity maybe to get back into the Big 12 this season for one season, you know, it did look pretty cool just for the nostalgia of things. But, um, you know, I think that we're in the right place uh we just we just got to start competing and, and then once that happens we're going to be great absolutely well one thing we like to do here on husco huddle is not just talk football but we like to talk a little bit about life um what are you up to now grant what is what is life doing for you here in 2020 besides sitting at home for covid <laughs> 
Uh, you know, for me personally, uh, it's been busy, man. 2020 has been really busy. Uh, I'm involved in uh, a mortgage company in Nebraska. I help uh, helping recruiting and marketing up there, Gershman Mortgage. So we've got two offices open now, one in Omaha, one in Lincoln. They're doing really well. Uh, and that's taken a large part of my time. And it's awesome because I get to get up to Lincoln and Nebraska and Omaha. Uh, I'm always looking for reasons to get back there. I don't get up there often enough. So uh, having the work up there, I get to get back up there and be around fans and uh, help people out in Nebraska. It's a great company up there, Gershman Mortgage. And so we're doing right by people, helping them get into their homes. Uh, but here in Missouri, um, uh, I've applied for and won uh, medical marijuana licenses. Uh, won a dispensary license and a manufacturing license. And so uh, that was awarded in uh, January of 2020. So we've got until January of 2021 to get both of those businesses up and running. So it's uh, in, with the state going through COVID and every, you know, uh, you know, people in the state capital who are running these programs are dealing with the same things we're dealing with. So it slowed the process down a whole lot, but they're still kind of holding us to those timelines. So. It's a bit scary right now, making sure that we're going to be able to be up and running at that point. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that from a lot of anytime you're working with, I mean, I'm working with the NFL Pierre and I'd actually get my license to become an agent and I haven't heard back from anyone in like six months. And it's like, you want to get angry and like mad at these people, like, come on, man, like attention to details, respond back to me. But at the same time, you have to have that little bit of grace, like, are they even in the office? Like, are they even doing anything? But that's really awesome about the medical marijuana. I want to talk about that for a second. I think that that is something that can be really beneficial, not just in in everyone, but in the athlete world. I think that the idea of, I mean, back when, even when I was starting in the league and stuff, the, the, the idea that you get hurt, you go into the trainers and you get a little Altoy can full of the, the grab bag of pills, like, hey, you're good, you can play, versus the benefits of medical marijuana. I think that that's going to be the next evolution in recovery a lot for some of these athletes. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. And the veil is just finally getting lifted off of this plant. Um, you know, I think for so long it's been vilified un unfairly. And uh, the government is just now starting, you know, it actually holds a patent on marijuana as a neuroprotectant. Uh, so there's validity to it as a medicine, whether people want to admit it or not. There's a, it's a valuable medicine. Uh, and I didn't know it um, at the time, but I started using, well, I knew I was using cannabis when I was in the NFL. Uh, but at that point, it was more to just help me come down after a game uh, and just feel better and relax a little bit probably not knowing all the side benefits that were coming with it. So uh, the government's fine, like I said, kind of just letting people research it. They're releasing uh, more cannabis into uh, the research facility so that they can actually study all the great things that this plant can do for us. And, and then I truly believe when it goes federally legal and big pharma, as much as I'd like them to stay out of it, everything, hmm. uh, when big pharma gets their hands on it, they're going to tear it apart, figure out why it's great for us and probably make even better medicine out of it. Yeah, I think you're completely right on that. I think that it's going to be really interesting here in the next three to five years how that all goes down. So, Grant, before we let you get out of here, again, we appreciate your time here on Husker Huddle. we got to talk a little Husker football, man. This year was going to be a huge year for Scott Frost in year three program. It still has the potential to be 
but with no spring ball, with the limited amount of camp. And I'm curious, how long do you think that this team going to be needed for like a fall camp? Now, granted, they're going to be in school. They're going to have all these things. I mean, how long would it be preparing wise when you can't have a true all day camp meetings and stuff to get ready for a season? Like how much prep time do you think the Big Ten would need to give these schools and especially here at Nebraska, a chance before they could go kick off for season opener? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And that's what's scary. When you want to talk about starting in October and November, first of all, you, you don't have any time for much time to play games in Nebraska. It's going to be some filthy weather that mm. time of year, uh, which is awesome, kind of. But at the same time, like, like you're saying, how much prep time do you have, you know? And I just I don't understand pushing back the season. And so now if it's truly for the benefit of the athletes and that's you're doing it to protect them, why? Why does pushing it off until October, November, where's the benefit in that? What what how is that possibly helping people? You know, by by my reasoning, the flu is worse in October, November, December than it is in September. So why are we trying to push it back? If COVID behaves and travels and we're worried about it's the spread, you know, it flus and sicknesses are worse when we're all hanging out in cold inside buildings. Why would we push football back into the cold part of the year? I don't understand it. I'm not a doctor, but it just doesn't make sense to me, man. And I, I really, truly don't know, like, if just going out and practicing two hours a day, how long it would take you to get ready for a season. It's certainly going to be not the same quality football. The, student, the, the athletes aren't going to be near as protected. They're not going to be in the shape they should be in by going through a camp. You know, they're not going to be used to banging the way that they need to be. So it, it's not for the benefit of the student athlete. I truly don't believe that. I don't understand the reasoning of any of this, but I don't think pushing it back benefits the student athlete at all. Absolutely. I agree. And it's really going to hurt some of these seniors that have aspirations to go to the NFL because, I mean, they might want to get out there. But if you're not ready to put the best film possible on the tape from the get go, I mean, you don't have really I mean, if it's only going to be an eight game season, you don't have like the two or three games to kind of ramp yourself up. I mean, you got to come out the gates hot. And if you're trying to go to the NFL and they watch this and they go, man, this guy didn't come out the gates very well. He looks sluggish. He looks slow. That's going to really hurt their chances as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it, it just and it stinks all the way around. No it doubt. Well, let, let's take a quick look at this defensive line. I mean, we graduate the Davis brothers. We graduate Darian Daniels there in the middle to really hold it down. I mean, you get you watch these guys religiously. I'm sure, like I watch the offensive line. Is there some guy that you're excited about next year to maybe make that next step and become an elite elite force really on that front? Uh, you know, uh, there were some young guys. You know, Nelson came on at the end of last year. I feel like played some good football. I think there's a lot of guys there, and just. I, what I love is they don't care about the stars behind the guy's name. They're recruiting guys that love to play football. So I, we have no idea the progress that these kids have made within a year within the, the program. Uh, granted, you know, being hamstrung a little bit with the lack of practices, but just kids that love to play football, you never know how much they're going to grow from one year to the next. You know, just a year in the weight room, a year around older players, just a year around what it's like to be – a, a true collegiate athlete playing at the highest level, figuring that out. So whatever we saw last year is going to be markedly different. Hopefully we get to see it this year. Uh, so just overall, I'm expecting just the level of play to rise just with another year there in the program, learning the standards, you know, being underneath the older guys, the great players that have left. It'll be a better football for sure. Absolutely. Well, Grant, before we let you out here, I just want to say thank you again for joining us here on the Husker Huddle here on Husker Sports Network. Before we go, man, is there anything you want to say to Husker Nation here? 
No, just love you guys. Hope I get to see everybody in a game in Lincoln this year. Absolutely, man. Next time you're in town, we'll have to meet up and uh, say hi. Sounds good, Jeremiah. Thanks for having me on. Fun hour coming up. Our top 25 picks headed your way in a moment. You do not want to miss those. And Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, will be here with the latest on the National Football League. Pretty entertaining game last night, wasn't it? Joe Burrow, even though they're 0-2, he's pretty good, Ben. Yeah, I love his comments after the game that in his entire athletic career, he doesn't think he was lost two in a row um, in, in any at any point. So have to expect a little of that coming to Cincinnati, my guy. That 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 may happen to you, but I think he chucked it 59 times, and you know a lot of those were checkdowns and and short throws. But man, I mean Zach Taylor, not not exactly gun shy on his rookie. Let him drop back 59 times to throw a ball. Um, even more than that with the, the amount of times that he ran it. But, yeah, I mean, I thought they looked okay yesterday. All right, let's get into uh, top 25 picks for tonight. Tim, do we do we have the results from our week one picks? See, we do have the results. Um, I don't feel like reading them because they are very painful for me, but I will forge forward bravely. Um, everyone actually <laughs> went five of six besides yours truly who gambled on Notre Dame Duke that one did not end up in my favor uh, but everyone picked wrong on Iowa State naturally as the raging Cajuns rage to a victory but yes uh, Greg Ben Josh uh, even Austin uh, were all in on North Carolina Notre Dame OU Clemson Texas got them all right uh, but Iowa State being the lone thing that tripped things up uh, including myself and also I, I yeah I bet against the Catholics and lost so there it stands. Everyone five of six besides moi, who's at four of six. How did we not see the Raging Cajuns, Ben? How did we miss that? I don't know. I think the same way that everybody else missed them. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. All right, let's get into this week. Let's start with the 11 o'clock games. The 11th ranked Oklahoma State. Pistols firing with their in-state rivals, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Oklahoma State a 23-and-a-half point favorite. Ben, how do you see the Pokes? And the Golden Canes. Um, I think pistols are going to be firing early and often uh, in uh, at T Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. Don't have a lot of faith in Tulsa. Uh, they had a decent team a couple of years ago. I just I can't see them hanging here. They, they, may, they may put a couple in the end zone on Oak State's defense, but I see the Pokes scoring about forty five or more, and I don't think Tulsa can score that many. So, are I'm you take, the? I'm taking Cowboys. Are you the uh, Nebraska president of the Chuba Hubbard Club? Um, I I was I, I was one that before last year knew that Chuba was about to just take off like a rocket ship. You watched the way that he finished two years ago, and the way that he was used in some of the games that he had had. You had you no competition for him in the backfield for snaps last year. But, yeah, that guy that guy was really, really good. How about, you know, the offseason that he had and Mike Gundy had with, you know, a shirt that Gundy had worn and, uh, you know, Chuba Hubbard taking a stand yeah. and saying, We're, I'm not going to play unless some of this stuff gets taken care of. He, he is going to play. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that running back knows what he's doing. And, yeah. and Tulsa doesn't have any, anybody on their team like that. Okay, Tim, how do you see this one? Yeah, I, I don't know if um, Oklahoma State necessarily is the 11th best team in the country. Maybe they are with everyone getting a late start. But uh, give me the Cowboys. I'm, I'm not going to gamble uh, so much this week. I'm, I'm kind of snake-bitten, so uh, <laughs> I'm going I'm to play it safe. And, yeah, Chuba Hubbard, um, I don't think I'm uh, necessarily a member of his fan club, but maybe I he, he piques my interest 
He's a good player, uh, and he's definitely enough to get him over the hump that is Tulsa. So uh, Oklahoma State for this week. Okay. Austin, you want to play along with us? Sure, I'll play along and fire my pistols off as well. Give me the, the fighting T. Boone pickings. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I think this is a fairly comfortable Cowboy win uh, tomorrow. Again, 11 o'clock is that one on ESPN after game day. Also at 11 on ESPN Plus, the Cincinnati Bearcats, who are on the original Nebraska football schedule for this fall, hosting Austin P. Tim, you get to lead us off on this one. How about the, the Bearcats against the Governors? Yeah, I, I watched a little bit of Austin P. They're, they're one of, they were the, one of the teams that opened up the college football season. Uh, they have some interesting formations. They have a fun mascot and a turnover top hat. Uh, none of that, though, is going to be able to get them over Luke Fickle's mighty, mighty Bearcats. Uh, give me Cincinnati. Okay. Austin? Being classy and wearing top hats doesn't win you football games. It's nice. I love love the name. Normally they're number one, not number two, but they'll be number two this week against Cincinnati. Give me the Cats. Bearcats pretty good. They'll win this one going away. Ben, any different opinion? Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I think this one's over when Austin P gets off the bus. <laughs> you know, black and red and black and red. I, I don't even think Vegas has a line out for this, do they? No. 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 Okay. Well, they don't. T- that's typically a good place to start when you're picking game heads up. So, I, I think I think I'll stay within my constraints here and and choose the Bearcats. All right, still at 11 o'clock on the Deuce, the Ragin' Cajuns, who we we were talking about earlier, on the road at Georgia State. Uh, Louisiana is favored by a couple of touchdowns. Austin, how about your pick on this one? Louisiana stays on the road much closer to home. This time they just jump over to George instead of all the way up to Ames. I think Georgia State might push Louisiana a little bit, but I think the Raging Cajuns pull away late. I agree with you. I think this is a really close game, and I think the two back-to-back road games are not easy on programs, but they're pretty good, and they're pretty sound, and they've started to get a winning culture. I think they eke this one out. I don't think they cover the 15. I think they win this one by about six points. Give me the Ragin' Cajuns, Ben. Yeah, Georgia State's not bad. They're typically a bowl team um, or, or right there competing for one, so that that's not a – this isn't a slouch. I'm kind of with you. I think this is a close game. I think Louisiana running game is, is pretty good. And the other thing that I think is a raging Cajun lean here is Georgia State hasn't played yet. So I don't know if Louisiana is feeling themselves after what they did a week ago in Ames. They probably are. Um, but I think they're a good team too. So give me the raging Cajuns by about 10. Two. Yeah, I was I was tempted to go with, with Georgia State because they're a team with some pedigree, but besides the fact they haven't played yet, Louisiana, they already showed it last week by rumbling into Ames, Iowa and coming away with a W. So I'm not going to side against the Rachel Cajuns. I don't want to tempt fate, so give me Louisiana. All right, to the ACC we go at 11 o'clock on the ACC Network. Syracuse back-to-back road games. They open at Carolina, played the heels tough for three quarters. North Carolina kind of pushed them away in the fourth. Pittsburgh is the opponent this week. Pitt is ranked 25th, favored by 21. That is way too many points. Syracuse covers that, but Pittsburgh wins by nine in this game, Ben McLaughlin. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what to make of Syracuse, I, honestly, or even Pitt for that matter. I, I think Kenny Pickett is a really good quarterback for Pittsburgh. Um, they, they lose Maurice French, who was you know their biggest playmaker from a year ago, so I'm going to need to see some other playmakers for Pitt step up. But I like Pickett. I think he's a good quarterback, and, and I'm having a hard time figuring out Syracuse. 
with uh, with the game that they played last week with Carolina. Three good quarters, one terrible quarter. I'm going to say Pitt wins, but I agree. I think that 21.5 is, is way, way, way too many points. Tim? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Pitt as well on this one. Syracuse didn't do enough for me. I, I mean, they, they, they did hang in there for a little bit, but the, ended up getting away from them at the end there. So uh, Pitt, all they did was last week roll over Austin P. But <laughs> if you can get out of bed in the morning as a major D1 program, you should be able to do that. So uh, give me Pitt. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be close. 21 points seems like a lot, but uh, uh, what the heck. We'll say Pitt wins and the cup. If Austin. You, if you would have told me two years ago that Pitt would be ranked and Syracuse wouldn't, I probably would have laughed you off the radio. I thought Dino Babers was really building something at Syracuse. They've fallen off hard. It's still a shock to see that little number in front of Pitt's name. It's been a while for the Panthers. They're used to playing spoiler. I don't think they get spoiled, but I think Syracuse keeps it close. Okay. All right. Uh, Notre Dame back up tomorrow hosting the undefeated Bulls of South Florida. So a battle of 1-0 teams. The Irish favor by 24 Ben McLaughlin in this game. Yeah, again, I, th- I feel like that's a lot of points. If, if this game was in South Florida, I think we've got a different situation on our hands. Um, Notre Dame kind of sludged through the first half of that game last week against Duke and really looked terrible offensively. Um, Kyron Williams, a running back for the Irish, really you know took control of that game. He had over 200 total yards and, and two touchdowns for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame wins. Um, just for the pure athleticism standpoint, I think South Florida gets in the end zone a few times. But give me the Irish. I see, I'm see i seeing about a you know, 24-17, 31-17 type game. Tim? Yeah, let's uh, – I mean, I, I picked against them last week, so doing I don't again? want to make the same mistake. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I am going with Notre Dame, the fighting Irish. Uh, Ian Book uh, going to put up a three-bill – I guess. I don't know. I don't feel confident about this at all, but uh, I don't want to have lightning strike twice, so put me down (laughs) for the Irish. Yeah, I'll take the Domers as well. Ian Book has his work cut out for him this year, missing a lot of weapons on the outside, but I still think that defense is good enough to carry Notre Dame to the win here. All right. I say Irish big in this one. I think they play really well this week. South Florida's not nearly as well coached and disciplined as Duke was. I think the Irish roll in this one. Okay, Tim, we're coming to you for the 2.30 game. This is a good one. ABC, UCF at Georgia Tech. So Scott Frost, old school, with their opener, Georgia Tech, coming off a nice road win at Florida State last week, and yet UCF favored by just over a touchdown. How do you see this one? Yeah, I, I, this one was another tough one, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll take Central Florida for this matchup just because I'm not sure how much a win over Florida State means anymore. Uh, the Seminoles only putting up 13 points in their own home stadium. I, I'm not really all that impressed. I, I, I don't want to say I'm unimpressed with, with Georgia Tech. I mean, hey, they got the win, and that's all you really need to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how high I am on Jeff Collins and, and the boys uh, as I am uh, looking forward to seeing UCF and their dynamic offense. Either way, uh, they're looking to crown themselves national championships this year. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. Give me Central Florida. Yep, Golden Knights as well for me in this one. Yeah, me too. I think it's fairly close. I think Georgia Tech, pretty physical football team, but I just think that speed of UCF is going to make the difference, and I think they do win it on the road. Really weird for me seeing a Georgia Tech quarterback chuck it in the air 35 times. I just, I'm just mm-hmm. not used to seeing that. Um, really not, not something that anything any of us are used to. 
I'm not as high on the Knights as you guys are. Um, and this isn't so much an indictment as on Georgia Tech as it is on UCF. I'll say UCF wins, but I think this is this is a one possession game late in the fourth quarter. I I am not as high on on UCF, but I, I do think they win. Okay, on CBS tomorrow, two thirty, Appalachian State at Marshall. Marshall rolled over the Colonels of Eastern Kentucky in their opening game two weeks ago. App State a winner last week as well. They're favored by four and a half. So you have a, a road favorite in this game, Austin Orman. How do you see it? I'm taking the Mountaineers over the herd. I really like what Appalachian State has been doing recently. They just keep replacing skill position guys. They sent a couple guys, at least one guy, to the NFL. I love their skill positions. I love how they work. I think Zach Thomas is still back at quarterback. I was surprised to see this game is as close as it was. No disrespect to Marshall, but I think this one ends up double digits in favor of App State. Mm, wow. you got to pick an upset every now and then, right? Give me the herd. Go Marshall. We are Marshall. I got the herd tomorrow, Ben McLaughlin. I'm with you. I'm choosing the herd as well. I, I put. We mentioned fan clubs. Grant Wells. I. I mean, I sent my application in. I don't know if it's been accepted, <laughs> but this dude was chucking it all over the place for Marshall. Now I know it was Eastern Kentucky or whoever it was, and they are just utterly pathetic. Uh, no offense. But to they all drilled them. The EKU fans out there, but. Grant Wells was kind of slinging it. Give, give me, give me the herd. You mentioned it's not favorites all the time. I like Marshall at home. Why not? Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Appalachian State have any films uh, after them. So yeah, we are Marshall. Marshall, the Thunder and Herd. Randy Moss, you. Uh, I love it, and they're going to win big tomorrow. Well, I don't know about big, but they'll win. <laughs> was it a decent film? Did you enjoy that one or no? I watched it like in middle schools last time, so I enjoyed it then. Uh, I'm sure I would have my 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 critical lenses on <laughs> this time, but it gets it gets a thumbs up for a middle school me, so that's good enough, I guess. It wouldn't be one of your favorite Matthew McConaughey movies, though. Or well, uh, would it, is it better than Interstellar? I doubt it. I mean, I doubt it. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. All right. Uh, also on the ACC Network tomorrow, the number one ranked team, the Clemson Tigers, against the Citadel. Shockingly, I'm going with the Tigers, Ben. Yeah, this one's, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, in-state rivals a little earlier with, uh, with Tulsa and Oklahoma State. This is, this is South Carolina's version of the in-state rivals with the Citadel and, and number one Clemson. I, I still have it out for the Citadel, to be honest with you. I, I don't like those guys in any sport because my first ever Husker baseball series I was on the call for, we went down there and lost the series to those guys, so... I will never pick the Citadel to win anything ever again. So um, they could be playing uh, Wayne State College here in Nebraska, and I, w- and I would pick them. So give wow. me Clemson. Clemson by 1,000. Oh, jeez. <laughs> ben hates our service members and uniform. Wow. <laughs> Shocking admission on Sports Nightly. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I don't have such vile hatred for the Citadel, but I don't believe in their football program to get a win over number one Clemson. So uh, the Tigers in this one are not particularly – Difficult choice. So, Tim, you hate our servicemen and women as well. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I thought long and hard about not picking the Citadel, and that's what I'm going to do, Clemson. All right. Save the best maybe game of the day for last. ABC primetime tomorrow night. Miami ranked 17th, 1-0 against 18th ranked Louisville. Also 1-0, the Cardinal favored by just under a field goal. Ben McLaughlin, this should be good. I like Louisville. Um, I, I'm a big Cunningham fan. I think I think Mikhail Cunningham is is 
not Lamar Jackson, don't get me wrong, but this is a guy that can do it both with his arm and his leg. Des Fitzpatrick, uh, uh, a big uh, target for Louisville. They've got a young man by the name of Tutu Atwell who is just all over the place. He catches about a billion balls. Um, Tim, he is he is Louisville's version of uh, of Highway 11, Julian Edelman. So um, just to pass that little nugget off to you, I, I'm all in on the cards. Plus, plus I'm not a Miami fan. Um, so, so give me Louisville. I'm still going with Minitron. Well, we were talking about irrational hatred uh, with the Citadel. Uh, I have an irrational hatred for Manny Diaz, and I don't want to pick Miami to win anything. So go Louisville. He spurned your temple owls, did he? Yeah, he did. I actually kind of hate that. I mean, it's like, dude, you're you, how long was he there? Like two weeks? I don't even know, but that's obnoxious. Get out of here, Diaz. I love the quarterback matchup in this one. I love Cunningham versus De'Aaron King. I still don't trust Miami. I love what Louisville's been building, and I think being at home is what pushes the cards over the edge. So L's up. Give me Louisville. I'm with you, Austin. I don't trust the U. I think they can win this game, but I don't think they quite know how to do that. On the road, hostile. Well, not hostiles. There's no fans. But on the road, just not quite ready to go win a big game like this. Give me the Cardinals in that game. And that is all the top 25 matchups for tomorrow. A couple of decent ones in there, particularly that one at night between the U and Louisville. Well, if you'd like to be a part of the program via a call or a text, you can shoot that text off on our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation 531-500-4686. Ben is back to chat some NFL football with Ian Rappaport. That's next. Sports Nightly Friday night, about halfway through our program here this evening. Thanks to everybody spending part of your Friday night here with us. Appreciate it. Hopefully your work week went well. What went well last night was a football game on the NFL Network as the Browns and the Bengals locked horns on Thursday night football. Time to chat some NFL with our good friend Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Ian, typically Browns-Bengals doesn't get a lot of people excited, but I think last night... The quarterback matchup had some people intrigued on what they were going to see with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland and Joe Burrow, the rookie first overall selection from LSU for Cincinnati. Uh, big win for Cleveland. What would you kind of take away with the Browns' win last night? Well, yes. I mean, the, the Browns' victory was certainly uh, impressive. And, and, you know, really the way that they, way they ran the ball, the way they ran the ball in kind of a very different ways. I mean, you had – you had Chubb, you had Kareem Hunt attacking you from all angles, really physical stuff. And, you know, we came into this thing talking about, you know, Baker and Odell and how much they were going to include him. And I kind of left thinking about the run game and how important that is. I mean, if that is the way that the Browns are going to play, I think they're going to be fine this year. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to definitely be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be fine. So that was one thing. But it's really interesting because the Bengals lost and – I feel like everyone's talking about Joe Burrow. You know, like, I just, I mean, like, for our network, for instance, earlier today, the sound that we ran was of Baker Mayfield talking about Burrow. You know, that's how kind of important it was. That's how how much it stood out. Um, So I think even though the Bengals lost, you know, Joe Burrow's introduction to everyone on the national stage probably stood out as much as anything. I think he threw 59 passes off the top of my head, some, something around that. And, and 59, 60, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he was kind of chucking it all over, and I think the, the score probably allowed him to, to throw more than, 
than maybe normal because they're they were trying to play catch up there at the end. But when you when you assess what's happening in Cincinnati, and there's a lot of intrigue around our our area, Ian, with Cincinnati because of Zach Taylor, former Husker quarterback, being the head yeah. coach. What's what's the vibe around what's happening with Cincinnati and maybe the leash on a guy like Zach Taylor with a guy like Joe Burrow? A.J. Green's finally healthy. Tyler Boyd's starting to show what he can do. Joe Mixon just signed the long-term deal. What's, what's the vibe around Bengal football right now? Well, I think it's headed in the right direction. I mean, I, I get the sense that the players really like and really respect Zach Taylor. Now, obviously, the wins, um, the wins have not come. Um, so, you know, that's something that's not great. But, you know, really it's a situation where – um, they knew that it's rebuilding. And when you get a rookie quarterback, even if the number one overall pick, you know it's going to take some time. So all you're really looking for is just the signs that things are going okay. Um, so, I mean, they're fighting. They look good. They look competitive. Um, I, I mean, I think he's going to be okay. You just do wonder, like, at what point do they need to start winning to kind of show some of that paying off. But, um you know, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. When you look at uh, Cleveland, and you mentioned Baker Mayfield a little bit earlier, there's a lot of star power, a lot of personality. I kind of feel like we transformed uh, from Pittsburgh a few years ago with Mike Tomlin, with Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Now it's kind of morphed, I, I feel like, into Cleveland a little bit. Baker's got a big personality. We know about Odell and Jarvis Landry. Kareem Hunt certainly comes with some baggage. When you look at how Cleveland has to manage themselves just on a day-to-day -day basis. How is that locker room meshing together, um, you know, to, to try and put, put together a winning season after a disappointing year last year, but I think, uh, you know, a fair amount of expectation around them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what they've done, you asked a great question. I think what they've done is really bring the temperature down, you know, is they have, they've said, you know, you know, obviously Odell's a big personality and Baker's been a big personality, but um, to get those guys to work together, they have to sort of mute everything. Um, and I think they've tried to do that to, you know, shrug off some of the noise. And, you know, last year going into the season, they had a ton of hype with the new coach, Freddie Kitchens. And, you know, he didn't sort of shy away from that. Um, this year they've kind of blocked that out. So I think they've done a good job of just being like, you know what, none of that stuff really matters. I mean, we see a lot of Baker commercials, but probably not as much as last year. We see a lot less of Odell. You know, I think they've done a good job of just trying to figure out a way to ever, have everybody get quieter, at least until they win a couple games. When they win a couple games, maybe then everybody can get loud again. But that's definitely been a conscious effort from inside the organization. Ian, last week I asked you to give me a couple of teams you were excited to watch, and one of the ones you mentioned is, was probably number one on my list, and that was the Arizona Cardinals. They get a big win over San Francisco. What'd you think? I mean, obviously they won, so we have some positive thoughts, but what, what, what did you make of Arizona's performance and what this could mean for them moving forward? Yeah, I mean, two things jumped out at me. One, you know, that defense finished last season on a high note you know, basically with like a month-long little resume to keep the defensive coordinator Vance Joseph and to kind of set them in the right direction and give them a solid base for this year. They played well defensively again last week, so that is a good thing. The other thing was, if Kyler is going to run like that, then he's going to be he is going to be a problem. You know, because you can say all you want about being you know scheme sound and and all that stuff. Um, 
if he's going to be that unpredictable, that can kill anybody. Um, now, as long as, you know, he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't take hits, I mean, he ran for so many yards and just broke down the defense so much, a really good defense so much. Uh, I mean, I think they present unique, unique challenges for everybody going forward. I think they'll be good. There, there was a lot of things that I took away, Ian, from week one. We're not going to be able to, to get to all of them. But another big thing I took away and wa- just watching how the game unfolded was Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I, I think if you would have given me a number of how many times he would be asked to throw the ball against the Vikings defense, I probably would have put that number between 20 and 25. Well, he threw it over 40. What did you make of, of Green Bay and the way that Coach LaFleur kind of game planned around Minnesota and let, and let Aaron Rodgers throw it around a little bit? I was a little surprised because, you know, they have they have a running back who's a starter where they really like in Aaron Jones. They have um, a highly drafted running back they drafted behind him. They have a sort of not, – not that it's ever ground and pound, but, I mean, the philosophy has been for Matt LaFleur to run the ball. And right away he opens it up, which I think, you know, is promising because um, you'd like him to say at some point, you know what, let's just do – Let's just do what we do best. Like, if we're going to, you know, if, if what we do best is throw the ball, let's just throw it. And last year it was interesting because the Packers' record was good, but I don't know that anyone really considered them to be one of the sort of really, really top, top teams. I mean, I know they're ranked that, but I'm not sure they scared anyone. Um, what they did to that Vikings defense was scary, really scary. Um and I'll be curious the impact of that going forward because maybe it really was just a year in the offense and now they're going to be hitting on all fours again. Um, that would be a big thing if that's the way it works out. Hey, Ian, uh, one of the, the biggest surprises of last week was, was Jacksonville beating Indianapolis. Of course, Phillip Rivers throws a late pick and they're unable to go down the field. But Gardner Minshew impressed again. Is it – is it this might be a weird question, but was it more of a positive for Jacksonville to win or more of a negative for the Colts to lose? Uh, I think it was more of a positive for Jacksonville. You know, the Colts will probably be fine. I mean, my guess is they end up in that nine and seven range, eight and eight, nine and seven chance for the playoffs. Um, but the Jaguars, I mean, all anyone talked about was how they were tanking. That's it. Like tank for Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney's going to coach them. You know, like they traded away everyone. And the people there, I think, were going crazy because they were like, you know what? Like, we think we'll be good. Why is everyone being so weird? Um, just because they trade, you know, traded Clay's Campbell, they traded A.J. Boye. Well, that's two, you know, veterans on the wrong side of 30 making $10 million. Like, you don't necessarily need those guys on your team. So they got younger, they got faster, they got cheaper. But their quarterback's good. Um, so I thought I was nuts when I didn't think they were tanking. Uh, but at least I'm not crazy at this current moment, which is good. <laughs> Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com is our guest here on Sports Nightly. Uh, Ian, one other team I wanted to ask you about here before we kind of get to some injury things to, ra- to wrap it up uh, was Washington. They, they, they've certainly been, ar- been around a, a lot of – off-season scrutiny with with everything around the nickname and uh, just some conduct behavior in the front office. They they were able to win uh, a tough, hard-fought game last week to go to one and zero. Dwayne Haskins didn't really perform overly impressive, but they got the win. What what are Washington fans feeling right now, given the off-season that they had, uh, that weird logo that they have next to their name, and and starting one and zero. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, they probably feel pretty good. It's weird, though. I don't get the sense that anybody outside of Washington is talking about Washington. What they're talking about is the Eagles collapsing as if it happened in a vacuum. Like, that's just – that reaction has been interesting. Um, but, you know, Dwayne Haskins doesn't have to be a world beater. He just has to be pretty good. I mean, he's a first-round quarterback is in his second year. He just needs to show the promise of why they drafted him. Um, so, I mean, I, I think so far so good. Um, and, you know, he had such a good offseason, had all these pictures on social media of him losing weight. I mean, there was a lot of positivity. The fact that he backed it up on the field is a very good thing for the as-yet nickname the Washington football team. <laughs> Ian, okay, there's a couple of names that I'm sure fantasy people are listening uh, out there, and, and, and I know it's there's still okay. some time, but Michael Thomas sounds like he's making good progress on the sprained ankle. Give us an update also on, like, Kenny Galladay and uh, I mean, maybe even a guy like Philip Lindsay, who you said originally out a couple of weeks with some turf toe. How, how are some of these big names that, that fans should be watching out for for fantasy progressing throughout the week? Well, yeah, let's talk about Michael Thomas first. You know, from what I understand, he's a serious long shot to be able to play this week. I mean, maybe he'll do something crazy and play, but, you know, I certainly would not expect it. Um, You know, I I would think it's going to be next man up there. Kenny Galladay uh, either was not at practice today or did very, very little, not looking good for him to be back. Chris Godwin's in the concussion protocol for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not expecting him to play. He's still at the non-contact stage, so um, I would expect him to be out. Uh, let's see who else fantasy was. Miles Sanders, the Eagles starting running back. He is back in the lineup after hamstring. That is very good. Um, what else? Uh, what other fantasy stuff we got? How about a Julio? Uh, did I see something on him today? Is he hurt? Yeah. Yeah, Julio is not hurt, but a little banged up. He's okay. got a hamstring issue. He's been living in in practice. I think he's going to be okay. It's more something to monitor than really worry about. Very good. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, appreciate it, man. Enjoy uh, round two of games. It's great to have him back. Great to have you back. Look forward to our chat again next week. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Good stuff. Good to be back, man. Take care. You too. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, with us here on Sports Nightly. Appreciate his time. As always, uh, always Johnny on the spot with everything NFL. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Most of you probably already do at Rap Sheet, where you can find him on Twitter. Yep, here we are. Final hour of the night. Final hour of the week. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Summer. Thanks for spending some of your Friday night with us. Coming up this hour, we'll have our weekend preview. Fairly busy week. You still have a bunch of sports that are going on. Ben will get it all put into a nice, tidy package for you to absorb. Then we'll have our weekend review, look back at the last couple of days with all the great guests that we've had, and our winners and losers of the week. And we'll even have an open segment for some calls and comments. But let's get it going with the preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. I've been fighting to sneeze for the last three and a half minutes, so let it, us have it, it. It could come at any time. So just <laughs> just a, just a forewarning here. 
Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump right into it, shall we? We uh, we gave you our top twenty-five picks around college football yesterday or last hour, I should say. Uh, but another full slate of FBS football on tap here this weekend, the last weekend before the Southeastern Conference get involved. So buckle your seatbelts there. All right, we already mentioned the Tulsa-Oklahoma State game, the 11th-ranked Cowboys at home at Boone Pickens Stadium at 11 o'clock on ESPN. It was unanimous. Oklahoma State will uh, run away with this one, says the boys. So, you know, getting – Pistols our, uh, firing. Yeah, they'll be they'll, they'll be firing all day. I think uh, on the poor <laughs> Tulsa defense. ESPN Plus, Austin P and Cincinnati, thirteenth ranked Bearcats should roll in that one. On ESPN two, you've got Louisiana. Who hey, was hey the Ben, talk help of me the out week. here. Yeah, help me out got? here. Was tomorrow the day we were to play Cincinnati? I, I'm I, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't I don't I, think no. I think no, tomorrow would have been South Dakota State. Maybe Austin yeah, can help us out. I think it was week three. I think I think we we're supposed to play Cincinnati. Yeah, I think that's correct. All right, so it'll be next Saturday. Okay. Okay. Um, you've got Louisiana at 11. They were the talk of the week after upsetting Iowa State at Jack Trice and Ames last weekend. They'll be taking on Georgia State on the road in Atlanta ESPN2, where you can find that one. You've got Liberty, the Flames, taking Ooh. on Western Kentucky on ESPNU, WKU, a two-touchdown favorite in that one against the Liberty Flames, who they were – they were uh, what was the story with them last year? They they were undefeated for a good chunk of the season, getting ready to play a Power 5 team that was bad. I can't remember who it was. Was it an ACC team? It could have been. I'm, I'm thinking it was. And I don't know if they beat them or um, – it was a close game coming out of the wire, but Liberty surprised a lot of people last year. I suppose that now, was the, uh, the bottom line. Is their coach, is it still uh, the guy from Ole Miss? Uh, Hugh, Hugh Freeze. Freeze. And he coached the game from the hospital. Yeah. Well, no. I, or one time he, they moved his hospital bed to the press box. And he that's was like, what look, they did. Yeah, looking that's out of his bed. Yeah. 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 So he's, st- he's still there, I think, right? I, I believe he is. Yeah. The, uh, the, Liber- the Liberty Flames. So there you have it. Your ABC game will be Navy and Tulane. The Green Wave 1-0 after a victory last week. They'll take a six-and-a-half-point favorite to the Big Easy tomorrow against the Midshipmen. Um, so that rounds out your 11 o'clock slate. At 1.30, the South Florida Bulls in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium taking on the Irish, ranked seventh in the country, 1.30, where you can find that one. Notre and that's Dame like again. on – USA on USA, yes, USA, this, where you can find. Okay, that. because NBC's got another sporting event you're going to talk about later. Okay, uh, yes, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's that's the deets. So yep. yeah, South Florida, Notre Dame, Irish, about twenty four point favorite <laughs> in that one. I got to try to remember that. That's not yeah. usually where I think about going for Notre Ew. Dame football. That's where you go to find reruns of what, yeah. like Magnum P.I. Melrose Pace. Like yeah, yeah. Two thirty <laughs> on ABC. Our modern Family. Yeah. There you go. 2.30, ABC, 14th-ranked UCF on the road in Atlanta taking on the Ooh, Ramblin' Wreck. going to be fun. Georgia Tech. think it's going to be close. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game. Yep. Another good one at 2.30 between Appalachian State, ranked 23rd in the country against the Thundering Herd of Marshall, that one in Huntington, West Virginia. App State nearly a six-point favorite in that. You and I both took Marshall. Yep. Team Grant Wells. Let's go, baby. We are. We are. Marshall. Yes. Uh, battle in the state of Texas between the Lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin and the Roadrunners of UTSA 
230 ESPN2, where you can find that one. UTSA fresh off a 51 to 48 win over Texas State a week ago. Lumberjacks looking for their first win. At 2.30 on ESPN, Troy and Middle Tennessee. Uh, the Trojans, a three-point favorite in that one. And Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where you can find the uh, Troy Trojans and the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee. Never been there. Me neither. 3 o'clock, ACC Network, Citadel, Clemson. Moving on to the 5 o'clock start between SMU and North Texas, CBS Sports Network, where you can find the Ponies and the Mean Green. 6.30, good one. Miami, Louisville, 17 and 18 in the polls at Cardinal Stadium in Louisville. Cards, about a field goal favorite. There you go. That's I, I, I'm looking forward to that one. I think that's I think that's Herb Street and Fowler back together in college. What did you think of them on the Monday night game the other night? Well, most of it was on mute because – Oh, we were on the air. We were yeah. on the air. But everything I heard, they did a good job. And, and I mean, they, they don't do a bad job very often, so – I saw an interview either the next day or two days later with Herbie, and he said, you know, that was fun. He goes, but he goes, I, I, college football is so much into my blood that I he basically putting to rest the rumors that maybe those guys would go permanently and do NFL. He's like, nah, I, college is my, my gig. So yeah, I, for the college football sport, I'm glad that's, that was said by him. I don't love Fowler's play-by-play. I think he's all right, but you could put Kirk Herbstreet with with anybody, and they would sound good. I mean, he yeah. he, he does a good job. You're right. Yep. Six thirty on ESPN two matchup in Conference USA: Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. Uh, Golden Eagles are zero and one on the year. New also coach. At, yeah. Also at six thirty on ESPNU: Texas State, Louisiana Monroe. Both of those teams are looking for their first win of the year. Got a matchup in the ACC, Wake Forest and NC State, 7 o'clock on the ACC Network. That's a matchup in conference play, so get excited for that. Number of postponements this week as well um, in the uh, in, in the land of college football. And, and the most recent one was Baylor and Houston. God. So Earlier expect, today. Yeah, didn't expect to have that one bang, but yet here we are. Right after lunch, and I mentioned this earlier in the show that Houston's equipment truck had already made its way to Waco. Yeah. Not you know, not a long, long drive from Houston to Waco, but still, your equipment truck usually leaves on a Thursday after you practice on Thursday. Load up the truck, guys that we're good friends with on Nebraska. Then they get there with the team, and then they go get the locker room set up on Friday night. So that truck had to do a U-turn and come on back to Houston late this afternoon. Mm-hmm. No game, just strange. Right. NBA got one game happening right now, just underway. Lakers and Nuggets in the first quarter. Lakers have lost two game ones already here in the playoffs. We'll see how that one plays out tonight. But tomorrow, you've got Boston and Miami, game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's Miami leading two games to none. 7.30 ESPN, where you can find game three. Must win for Boston, yeah? Got to be. I mean, you're already down 2-0. You can't go 3-0. I'm surprised. Uh, Austin's not. He called this weeks ago that Miami was a team to watch in the playoffs. So kudos to Austin Orman. He nailed it. Yeah, Swami, Swami Austin. Yeah, just yeah. Constantly uh, picking his brain for what's going to happen in these types of things. Sunday, you will have game two of game one that's happening right now between the Nuggets and the Lake Show. 6.30 TNT will have the coverage of that one. How many games does Denver win? I'll say two. I think this goes six. 
Okay. I, am I I'm too opt- am I too no. too optimistic on the Nuggets or not? I think I think they probably win too. I think that you know, especially winning tonight would go a long way in determining that. But yeah, I think I think they find a way to steal too. They're just playing too well. Jamal Murray is playing at an MVP yeah. caliber right now, and and Joker player like good. that, you're never out of it. So I'll give him two. Jokovic is good. Yes. Let's go to the rink next, shall we? Stanley Cup Final Game One on Saturday at 6.30 on NBC. The Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay wrapped up their series last night with a win in Game 6 over the New York Islanders. The Stars took down the Vegas Golden Knights. So you've got two warm weather climates going toe-to-toe in Edmonton, Alberta. Greg, you've got a team from Dallas and a team from Tampa playing in Cal- in, uh, in Canada here for the Stanley Cup Finals. I sense a little side wager between you and Mr. Curran. Well, I hope Tim feels really good about um, rooting for a team from Texas uh, that he's so adamantly against that state. And yet here he is rooting, selling his soul to root to, for a team from Texas just to spite me. So. Yeah, every day. Hey, my brother lives in Texas now, so I've got an in. That uh, practically go. makes me a second-class Texan. Uh, I'm going to come in uh, Monday with my cowboy boots and my cowboy hat and the so, belt buckle, and we're all good to go. Tim is also you, a now, by default, Houston Astros fan, so have okay, fun with that. I want to go that far. I want to go you, that far. Who, do you have a t- – is it the Blues? Is that your team? Yeah. In, that's okay. right. Return, right. Uh, reigning Stanley Cup champions, well, the Blues. For, yes. another, for another 10 days, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tim, can you can you get can you get five players on the Blues team since you're kind of a new addition to the bandwagon? <laughs> or are you still learning? Look, uh, hey, let's not let's not do a purity <laughs> test right now. Okay, you know, we only got to well, go wait. there now. To be fair, Tim, didn't you make Ben do that a few weeks ago to name Tampa's top couple players or not? No, I, I Ben just started rattling him off. I challenged his fandom, and then he he started r- like rattling off players from the '90s or something. So, well, those are players from the '90s. I mean, I can give you I can give you you know a handful of guys from this year's team if you want. I'm really proud of you. I mean, got Ryan O'Reilly is the only guy I need to know. Anthony he, Sorelli scored the game winner last night. For those that care, that was a that was big. <laughs> That's good you know, for you. Good for you. It was good. Kucherov's been great as always in the playoffs. Palat's been great in the play. Okay, we're just going to move on from the uh, – that's the only game this weekend in uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals is Saturday. They'll, they'll take Sunday off. National Football League this yes. weekend. We saw last night the Browns improved to 1-1 one one on the year against the Bengals. These are your 12 o'clock kicks. You've got Giants and Bears. The Bears get a big win over Detroit on a dropped pass from rookie DeAndre Swift in the end zone, but the Bears come from behind. Three touchdown passes – from Mitch Trubisky, and they'll take on Danny Dimes and the New York Giants. Who you like? The Bears. Bears. Bears are favored by about six points. Yep, the Bears. I'm expecting a big game from Saquon Barkley. He was wrapped up in a box. Um, he was last, last Monday night and just couldn't I, get anything going. So I do I'm not want him. Big, big day. I do not. Are we playing want each him other in fantasy. We are. Yes, you have a and commanding I, lead I, already, and I've got Saquon. I think. Yes, you do. So yeah, he's going to go nuts on Chicago. That's that's a fact. Also at noon, Falcons-Cowboys, two tough luck losers in week one. Falcons to the Seattle Seahawks, thanks to four touchdown passes from Russell Wilson. Dallas against the Los Angeles Rams, thanks to a phantom offensive pass interference call. So, Falcons-Cowboys, who are you taking? Boys. Okay, I'll go, Boys. The, uh, and, I'll, go, and, I'll go the other side. I'll take it later. And, 
it was a horrible miss call at the end. It I was. mean, that should not. But as somebody pointed out, Goff got whacked in the face on an interception earlier yeah, in the game that didn't true. get called either. So those probably yep. balanced out. Yep, that's true. Another NFC North clash between the Lions and the Packers. They, these two teams have had both NFC North clashes to start their season. One of them took advantage. One of them did not. Green Bay 1-0, Detroit 0-1. Noon on Fox there. Packers a touchdown favorite in that one. One team a surprise 1-0, another team not. The Jacksonville Jaguars 1-0 after beating the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans thanks to 31 carries from Derrick Henry on Monday night against the Broncos. Quick turnaround, but the Titans over a touchdown favorite against the Jacksonville Jaguars noon on CBS. Gardner Minshew's pretty easy to root for. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he is. And, uh, and former Husker opponent Colorado had LaVisca Chenault score a touchdown in his first NFL game for the Jags By the week. way, I need to go back to last night real quick. I did. This just dawned on me. Good for Freedom, right? Freedom Akamaludin yes. had a tackle last night on the goal line. Yes, he, uh, he was bumped up from the practice squad to the active roster right before the game. So that was great. That was great to see. Yeah. Two uh, losers that didn't expect to, to see, um, especially with one of the teams, the way that it went, the Minnesota Vikings getting torched through the air through Green Bay. They'll take on Indianapolis and Phillip INT Rivers tomorrow at noon on Fox. Who you like in this one? Who bounces back? Where's it at? Indy. Sorry, Bolts Austin. Are favored by three. Sorry, Austin. I'm going, I'm going the purple people eaters. Okay. Their defense is going to have to be a lot better. We're going to get a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor thanks to a, an Achilles injury to, to Marlon Mack out for the year. So a lot of uh, JT tomorrow, which is also good for my fantasy team because I believe I have him drafted as well. So hopefully he can get going on the ground. Uh, AFC East, Bills, Dolphins. Bills looked really good. Josh Allen looked very mm-hmm. good. 312 mm-hmm. yards through the air. Rushed for 50 as well. Three total TDs against Miami who had – a, uh, a tough loss against New England with Cam scoring two touchdowns on the ground there. Who you like? Buffalo's a playoff team. Give me the Bills. Bills favored by about six in that one. Niners and Jets each 0-1. San Francisco loses to Arizona. The Jets take one on the chin. They will be a seven-point underdog to San Francisco tomorrow at MetLife in East Rutherford. I think the Niners bounce back tomorrow, and I don't yep. know that it's that close. Yep, me too. Le'Veon Bell on uh, on the I don't know if he's on the IR he's out for several weeks with an injury go figure that uh, Le'Veon getting hurt once again the Rams at 1-0 taking on the 0-1 Eagles that's also at 12 Philly just a one-point favorite expecting that one to be close is Vegas Denver and Pittsburgh will kick at noon at Heinz Field Ben Roethlisberger with three touchdown passes this week uh, this Monday I should say for the Steelers, Noah Fant had a big day for Denver. The Omaha product, former Iowa Hawkeye, five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown against Tennessee on Monday night. Pittsburgh about a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Denver. I think Pittsburgh is going to bounce back and have a pretty good season. I do, too. Well, Just they got the, Big Ben back, which is, yep. I mean, the the stuff that they were running out at quarterback last year Ooh. was just and, and they still got to, to I think they still got to eight and eight. Yeah. The trade Even for Minka Fitzpatrick was huge. That, that guy yeah. was a beast defensively. Yep. The final 12 o'clock game Sunday, Carolina and Tampa Bay, both teams 0-1. Christian McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater against Tom Brady and company for Tampa Bay. You heard Ian last hour for those owners of Chris Godwin, still an early portion of concussion protocol, not looking like he'll be ready to go for Tampa Bay. So TB12 down a weapon 
uh, against Carolina. Late game starting at 3 o'clock, the Washington football team. Still terrible and weird to say. We'll take on the 1-0 Arizona Cardinals, both teams at 1-0. How about Kyler Murray near, mm-hmm. nearing 100 yards rushing last week? Yeah, I don't know how long he can do that without getting himself in some trouble. Yeah. I mean, you're going to you're going to take some hits if you're getting out of the pocket that much and he's not a very big guy. Uh, they got to be worried about the abuse on him. 14 catches for DeAndre Hopkins in week 1. They'll wow. take on Washington who was 1 and 0 after a win over the Philadelphia Eagles. At 325, this is the one that matters. Chiefs Chargers in Englewood. Chiefs uh, eight and a 8.5 point favorite against uh against the Chargers. They cover. Yep. I like it. Nine and one in their last ten against. Uh, I keep wanting to say San Diego, L.A., the Chargers. Yeah, they're the Chargers. Uh, yeah, they've just really dominated that thing, and there's there's no re- plus. Chiefs had a couple extra days off because they played Thursday, so well rested on the road. Nobody there wouldn't have been anybody there even if the you know, loud fans that they roll. Mahomes is a wily veteran now. He just turned twenty five years old yesterday. Old man. Old man. Also at 325, Ravens-Texans, CBS. Get the defending MVP, Lamar Jackson, against Deshaun Watson. That'll be intriguing to see those two quarterbacks yeah. go head-to-head. And your uh, your final game, Sunday Night Football, as Kerry Underwood sings to us to get us prepared for Tim Curran's New England Patriots and Russell Wilson's Seattle Seahawks. Nice. Seattle, three-and-a-half-point favorite. That should be a good game. Yeah, good little matchup for Sunday night. That's a good way to end the weekend, isn't it? Absolutely. All about it. Uh, let's jump to some Major League Baseball matchups this weekend out on the West Coast. Interleague matchup between the Giants and the A's. A's 31-19, and 19, trying to catch the White Sox for the best record in the American League. Two teams really trying to find their way right now into the playoffs. You've got Toronto and, and Philadelphia. Um, one trending up, one trending down. Toronto just can't get anybody out, period. Um, not, going, not going well for those guys right now. Playing a doubleheader today. Yep, you've got the White Sox and the Reds going at it this weekend. That's your uh, that's one of your your national games on Fox at six o'clock. Your other one happening in the NL East between the Braves and the Mets. You've also got Yankees Red Sox this weekend. Local matchup between the Royals and the Brewers. Fox Sports One will carry an AL East matchup between Tampa Bay and Baltimore. And your last game on national television tomorrow on ESPN Plus. It'll be the Twins and the Cubs. Alec Mills, fresh Ooh. off his no-no last weekend, will bat- battle Micah Pineda. Pineda coming off his uh, suspension with performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, off to a decent start for the Twinkies in their rotation. The other uh, decent matchup this weekend, out west, you've got the Padres and the Mariners. So that's the matchups you've got in Major League Baseball. And we'll finish it up with some sticks. At Wingfoot in New York, the U.S. Open. Uh, Patrick Reed taking the lead in tomorrow. Bryce DeChambeau right behind a stroke back. And you've got a handful of guys at two under. Um, who's going to win it? I'm going to go Justin Thomas. Uh, he didn't play great today, but he's certainly not out of it. And I don't like the other two guys. So yeah, <laughs> Justin Thomas is who well, I'm pulling your, for. Your other pick was Shoffley. He's even. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in the hunt. He's, he's, in the hunt. he's close. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to happen. I mean, there's so many double bogeys just waiting out there for these guys. So, he, he, if you're only up a shot or you're dead even, you could fall back in a hurry. So, it'll be fun to watch this weekend. Yes, no doubt. So, another be- another weekend full of sports. We're winding down some of the playoffs. So, yeah. enjoy NBA and NHL while you got it. 
Ben, we've got nine days left in the Major League Baseball season, regular season. How about that? Yeah, it's, it's gone over. fast. It's over next Sunday. By the way, Danny Duffy's just given up a six spot in the fourth inning, so <laughs> including a grand slam. Ouch. So rough for him there. It's the Sports Nightly Week in Review. From Monday night, Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. And if you go back and look at when training camp started uh, back in, you know, in a normal year, they start in late July, early August. You're playing either, you know, late August, early September. They'd be on the same track. So it's, it's not impossible. Um, you'd have a pretty, you'd have a fairly comparable training camp in terms of length of time. You could pull it off. Um, anything shorter than that, you know, and it's going to be tough, but Frost says three weeks. They've still been practicing. They don't practice in full pads, but, you know, they're able to do the mental stuff. I mean, they can, they can talk about, they can do the mental stuff and process through that, run offense and defense and, and some of those things. But I think Nebraska could be in decent shape. You, you know, the, I'm sure they took some lessons from Iowa State and Kansas State over the weekend. Neither one of those teams looked very physical in, in playing their game. They looked, they looked a little tentative, especially Iowa State. So obviously you want to come out and you want to play physical football. You want to play out going 100 miles an hour. And both of those teams, who I think, I mean, I think both those teams are comparable to Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska might be a little bit better than both of them, but not, not by a ton. Both those teams looked like they were going about 50, you know, 50 miles an hour. And, and I think they, they lost as a result. ESPN college football analyst Adam Rittenberg. Honestly, when you break them down individually, not that surprising. Louisiana, Lafayette, and, and if you've been following what Billy Napier is doing there, uh, you shouldn't be surprised. They won the conference last year, they won their division, and uh, you really probably have their best team coming back. And so I've been high on Iowa State. Uh, I think we've talked about it, uh, Greg, and, and, and really been into that team, but I almost feel like I'm breaking up with them at this point because after last <laughs> year and the, and, and the loss on Saturday, it's just hard to be on that bandwagon because, um, you know, it's just been disappointing. But I think Louisiana Lafayette's a really good team. You know, Blake Anderson at Arkansas State has been one of the mo- more consistently successful coaches in the Sun Belt. The one thing that he was really missing, though, were these wins against the Power Five. And so that was, uh, you know, a big wig win for Arkansas State against a, a pretty solid Kansas State team. And then Coastal Carolina goes into Lawrence, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't competitive. I don't know how many people stayed up to watch that game, but they, they physically dominated Kansas. I mean, it just it just was was uh, almost funny to watch. And so uh, you're certainly a, a good win for Coastal, but, you know, Kansas, I think, really cementing itself at the very bottom of the power five right now. Tuesday night, Nebraska baseball coach Will Bolt. We actually, as a coaching staff, met Chance Rock, um, Chad Hayes, um, Luke Sartori. Jake Buns was another that he was around a little bit this summer because he's rehabbing. But we a lot of guys that we actually had never even met in person until the, the first day that they set foot on campus and <laughs> shook their hand and said, hey, welcome to, <laughs> welcome to Nebraska and glad to have you. And, you know, having the season end the way it did gave us a little bit more time. Um, usually you're scrambling, have a pretty good idea what you're going to do, have your exit meetings in June, but you have a lot less time to evaluate and, and kind of turn over um, the roster. You know, with the transition year, with the new coaching staff, we were able to get a little bit of a head start there. Really in April, we had some exit meetings. And again, we were doing all this over the phone, you know, having them have some tough conversations with guys, but um, also just at the same time adding new pieces of the puzzle to, to the 2020-2021 baseball team. So we're, we're excited about what we're able to get done. 
in that amount of time and, and these guys are they're working hard so far and um, just look forward to getting out there and, and seeing them compete matt coatney you know uh, it was a big decision for taylor to stop playing after uh, the duke game last year really after the oral roberts game she set out of that but her family and taylor made a decision to go to the mayo clinic up in minnesota just to see what their options were and, and the options were she was going to have to have surgery so instead of waiting until the summer and then maybe delaying what she was going to possibly do this year they decided to have that procedure done in the middle of last season which shut her down and um you know at, at that time it was not a hundred percent that that was going to solve her issue but it needed to be done and uh, i you know i was alerted this summer that you know this this may not uh, be a, in a position where she could continue playing. Give credit to Taylor. She tried everything she could uh, to come back from it. But uh, you know, I, I was not 100% uh, surprised to hear this news. But when you hear it for, for real, you know, you're always kind of holding on to hope that, you know, maybe she can come back, maybe she'll work through this. But, uh, you know, what you hope for is that, um, you know, her next stage in basketball, because she wants to be a coach, I think Amy Williams is going to afford her the opportunity to, uh, do everything except play on the floor this year and look at those things, which I think is great. Great basketball family, obviously. Her, her sisters uh, played college basketball, and, um, you know, they're, they're a great family, so I wish her the best. From Wednesday night, Nebraska Athletics Director Bill Moose. Well, yeah, and uh, I pushed really hard. Chancellor Green did as well. I, I feel, uh, I continue to feel that that should be a, a local decision institutionally depending on the location the health uh, authorities the uh, local governments and state governments and i felt we were in a pretty good place to at least get some of our fans in but if it was going to be a deal breaker we we had to uh, go ahead and, and step back and accept it and our, our fans will be able to watch the huskers they just aren't going to be able to do it from their seats Major League Baseball insider Lane Grindle. I think everybody this year is in the mode of, hey, let's get all hands on deck. Let's be open-minded. Let's do whatever we have to do to make the game even more compelling than normal. If we can create some different revenue streams, let's do it uh, for the good of these clubs and, and for everybody involved in it. And I think that's really commendable, and it's been great. I think more long-term changes like that, um, or even like the DH, I, I anticipate the DH is probably here to stay now in the National League, but because um, there was so much momentum for that before this. But I think uh, some of the other rules, the, the the extra inning rule and some of that stuff, I, I think that's going to be revisited moving forward, and we'll see what really becomes of it. And I think that's kind of the same case with the expanded postseason. I think you're going to be able to to show some additional revenue, and so never bet against that. But you know, the players will have to sign off on it, and, and a lot of people will have to, to get behind that first before we can say that's a deal that is absolutely going to happen. Thursday night, Tom Chattel from the Omaha World Herald. I think that's a good thing. It's good to have an identity. You know, the Nebraska is being themselves. Be yourself. If that, that falls on the side of the Black Hat or the Maverick, you know, so be it. I, I think Scott Frost wears that well. Uh, it does not care. I mean, he's going to do what he thinks is right and say what he thinks, and he will not care what he thinks. So, but again, this is, you know, Nebraska grew up big eight and big 12, where everybody kind of not, not did their own thing, but you were encouraged to be sort of a maverick or an independent. 
you know, you were allowed to be an, an entrepreneur. That's partially what chased Nebraska out of the Big 12. But that's where they, that's their roots. That's where they came from. And that's what the Big 10's got. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shock to the system for a lot of people. I mean, I've got emails from a lot of different Big 10 fans saying, tell Nebraska to shut up and sit down. And uh, I said, it ain't going to happen. Teddy Greenstein for the Chicago Tribune. I think more than a little. I mean, there's always been a bit of an envy factor. Uh, uh, The Big Ten has wanted Notre Dame to join multiple times. I think there have been probably three invitations to join the league, maybe even a standing invitation. So the fact that, you know, Notre Dame is pulling this off, that they had zero positives, that they're playing against Duke. They even had a crowd. I mean, it was interesting there because their name said, okay, we can bring in like 15,500 at 20% capacity. Now, they only had about 10,005, which was curious to me because I even know a graduate student and she said she was not permitted to buy a ticket. But yeah, they pulled it off nicely. Um, and these athletic departments, I would have to tell you, you know, Nebraska, Indiana, Iowa, Iowa cutting four sports, so many furloughing. I mean, football is needed to pay for everything. And if it can be done safely, why not? So I think that's what changed. If you want to simplify this whole Big Ten situation, you can say they went from five weeks ago saying, why should we be doing this to why should we not be doing this? If other schools are doing it and we've got the daily rapid testing, why be on the sidelines? All right, final few minutes of Sports Nightly for the week. Time for us to take a little spin around the room and give you our winners and losers. Ben. Yeah, my winner is uh, Husker Baseball, Husker Baseball fans, Ben and Greg, everybody that got to take in the uh, the scrimmage. That was awesome. So everybody's a winner there. My losers, uh, Nicole Auerbach, Christine Brennan, Dan Walken, <laughs> Pat Forty. You're all losers. Give it up. We're playing. Nice. Tim. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Uh, my loser of the week, uh, the Bengals. It's going to be another long season. Yikes. Uh, but my winner of the week, how about Miller North Mustangs, baby? Yeah, they got a questionable call or two uh, to help uh, them out yeah. in the end. But, uh, hey, a win's a win is a win. Right. Austin, Austin, have something for us? I do indeed. My winner of the week uh, all those associated with Husker football, great vindication after the Big Ten votes to return. Good, good work to all involved there. My loser of the week, the Los Angeles Clippers. They remain little brother 50 years without so much as a conference finals appearance. Plenty of chances to do it. Couldn't close the deal. All right. My winner, the Denver Nuggets, coming and digging out of another 3-1 hole to make it to the uh, Western Conference final. My loser, Josh Donaldson, after hitting a home <laughs> run. Kicking awesome. dirt on home plate to get thrown out of the game. Never been a big Josh Donaldson fan anyway, so good to put him in that category for me here tonight. That'll put a wrap on the show and for the week. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy greatest games tomorrow at 1 o'clock.